Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. This week I was joined by Alan Millen, who is the founder of Questage, a leadership development consultancy, and they help folks deal with being guided through life transitions, particularly those that are transitioning to retirement into their third act of life. Um, when they're ruminating on what do I do with my life now and with the decades I have left, having, for instance, built up a family business and it's the season where they're contemplating pulling back. So this was a really fascinating conversation for me because typically it's me speaking to folks from the next-gen angle, but here I had this opportunity to get into the psychology and brains of the way a founder sees things and deals with life transitions. And I think it's really important for us to understand how they're dealing with these seasons. So we develop deep empathy. And this empathy ends up being so useful to such that we can communicate with them in a way that they'll be heard, both in the content of what we're saying and also the tone of what we're saying. So I don't want to spoil it. It seems like I'm just going on and on and on. So listen in, take good care. Thank you. Hi, Alan. Welcome to The Connected Generation. I'm really excited to have this conversation today with you. And thank you for inviting me in. Um, I'm looking forward to a really beautiful interactive dialogue with you. Indeed, indeed. So you are an entrepreneur and today you're in leadership performance consulting. Before we speak about that, tell us more about Alan and your life journey, how you got to where you are today. Well, um, how much time do you have? So, uh, <laughs> um, But <clears throat> I've learned the gift of bottom lining. So uh, let me say uh, this, that, you know, um, uh, I was privileged to start my career when I was in graduate school. I worked for a career management consulting firm, the largest uh, firm in the in the world. They had 200 offices globally, and I worked in their San Francisco office. And um, uh, you could not walk in off the street. So companies afforded these executives uh, the opportunity to work with us. And um, I never, never forgot um, the story of Tom, whom I met uh, back in the early 90s, and he was 60 years old. And it was a merger acquisition where um, the other guy got the job. So he's sitting with me in my office. And I just remember how sad he was, how depressed he was. And as I dug in a little bit, it was just amazing to recognize that his entire identity was tied to his business card. And that when that business card was removed, that title was taken, there was no there there. And that was just such a sad moment. Um, You know, when we are in America, when we go to a party, often the first question, if you're meeting someone new, is, so what do you do? And I had the privilege of living uh, in Europe when I was in college. And they didn't ask what people did. They asked where people were from. Tell me about your family. And so Mm. there's this piece in America, at least for the last three or four five, six decades where the who we are is what we do. And Mm -hmm. um, I want to change that narrative for the third act of life. Um, I've had the privilege of working both in uh, 
uh, corporate America, uh, all the way up to Fortune 50 companies, but also with amazing entrepreneurs. And as we approach the third act of life, you know, I, I built Questage um, around this premise that the third act of life can be our best act of life. And as you know, mm-hmm. we, we don't do a great job um, caring for the people that are in their last three or four, de- or two or three decades, right? If you look at Asia, you know, it's a completely different narrative. And, you know, the baby boomers, all 73 million of us, the youngest one right now is about 57. And, um, you know, we're such a massive population, um, but we are defying so many things that we've never seen in the aging of America with prior generations that are going into their third act. And for, you know, uh, at least in my 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 mind that um you know certainly our grandparents and for some parents you know when they got to the retirement word <clears throat> they literally retired and uh went fishing or golfing or knitting or whatever and <clears throat> this our generation is going to def- we're defying that we in fact we we're not allowed to use the word retirement at questage because none of our clients want to retire mm. you know they, they i call it the three p's right um we want to have purpose. We want to be productive. And with Questage, we say we want to do that with positivity because the mm-hmm. mindset is so critical in the third act of life. So so I'd love to dig down a little bit based on my journey and and um, and uh, share some stories and whatnot. Yeah, no, thank you. That's really insightful. I loved when you said um, that a lot of folks wrestle with who we are is what we do. And I often say that um, we are human beings, not human doings. That's right. That's unfortunately, right. We, we do kind of mix the two up and to measure our identities by our activities. Can That's you speak right. more to that um, on, on how folks can really untangle that, particularly as yeah. a, you know, it's really important, that, like you said, is that approaching the third act of life. But even for younger folks, I think it's correct. It's important to understand this, yeah. Well, I'm proud to be the father of a Gen Z, the Zoomers. Um, They are age six to 24 right now, and my little baby turns 22 in October. And, um, you know, they're going to be a generation we want to watch because the early research that's coming out of it is that they're so different than their prior yeah. three generations around wanting to be connected with companies that that walk the talk around values, wanting to be connected with an organization that um, is morally correct, right? Um, and wanting to make a difference. You know, they have, they <clears throat> we've not done a great job uh, leaving the world in their hands, but I actually believe it'll be the Zoomers that have the potential to heal us. Um, the generation right behind the boomers, the Gen uh, X, you know, that those that was a little mini generation mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. some reason. Uh, it, I don't know how it happened, but it, it got clipped only as being 15 years long. And while we have 73 million boomers, we only have 49 million uh, Gen Z. So so it's going to be we need another 10 years for the millennials to age up to be able to replace, you know, the 10,000 boomers who are retiring daily. Now we have mm-hmm. two two worlds here which are fascinating to me. Um, and one side of the world with the boomers, we have um, Bloomberg wrote about this in April. It was really interesting about you know the choice of uh, for many with the pandemic to 
take the what's called life is short mindset and mm-hmm. actually speed up getting out of the out of their out of their out of their work they just felt that with the pandemic the meetings the lack of connectivity the lack of teaming um, and of course, for some, this has been a good economy and, and good good home markets and whatnot that allowed them to rejigger their finances to be able to get out. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's a flip side to that, and the fact that we have a third, um, you know, we've got we've got um, you know millions of of boomers who will not have the ability to retire for lack of a financial plan. And some that plan not to retire at all will not have the choice. So it's sort of interesting that we've got, you know, um, this this pendulum that swings greatly. Mm-hmm. And Questage, um, because my work has been with top performing leaders, um, that's my niche in working with the third act of life. Because I really believe for those leaders, we don't have the option for them to stop leading. We mm-hmm. desperately need their wisdom, their knowledge, their skill set, their competency, their passion, their values. And we need them to continue to be in the leadership narrative, at least for another decade. And so for those that um, come to Questage interested in developing a compelling roadmap for the third act of their life, that leadership hook has to be there. I don't care if it's a foundation, charity, volunteering, as well as consulting entrepreneurism or whatnot, but, um, you know, we really, we really take a stake in the ground that we need leadership to continue. Mm, Really powerful. And you were saying that a lot of folks that are in your community or come to you really don't want to retire. Um, Correct. Correct. And I was reading, I can't remember where I read it, but it was in a book on essentially the psychology of retirement and how it, for a lot of folks, it represents like it's this signal for the end phase of their life. That's right. That's and right. It's fraught with a lot of grief and anxiety. Um, a lot of the listeners are second gens, um, yeah. third gens, and it's they're wrestling with parents that are finding it difficult to let go of the business. Um, and this can create a lot of it can create a lot of issues for the rising generation. Can you explain a little bit more on? The challenges folks face with retirement, um, the challenges they face in this third act of life, so listeners can really understand and gain a bit more empathy. Absolutely, and, and of course, with entrepreneurism, that is a that's a very different animal than those that have had careers in in or, large organizations. And I had the privilege of meeting uh, an amazing man uh, about five years ago who was eighty eight years old. It was. Um, he was a friend of my mother-in-law's and we were having dinner and uh, he had had a very successful business. Um, and I, I was just amazed at his energy. And I just said, when are you thinking of, you know, sort of slowing down? He said, well, you know, Alan, that's interesting because I spoke to my wife just about that last night. And I think next year I'll bring it down to about 40 hours. And I just laughed because I thought, here is this amazingly productive, vibrant man who uh, is 88 years old, right? So mm-hmm. the part of the challenge is that, you know, it, it goes a little bit back to our identity and how we're tied to what we do, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, um, and how do you let go of that? And for many, they see a cliff, right? Mm-hmm. And we present that you approach the cliff, but we're going to give you wings, you know, through a roadmap and a strategy so that you can be in a possibility conversation to re-engineer um, what you do related to passion and productivity and positivity 
um, so that you were excited for Monday mornings, right? Our clients are very excited for Monday mornings, you know, and I, I, I love, we have mm. two friends that live in uh, California that uh, one is 70 and one's nearing 80, they're a partnership. And I, I love what they shared with me and the fact that when they go to a function, a social function, they do not sit down. Um, they stand and mingle. And if anyone mm. approaches them to say, ah, so what was your career about? they politely smile and exit because they're not interested in looking in the rear view mirror. They've done their work and they want to talk to people about what matters to us today, what's going on, what's on your heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a great inspiring message, you know, because mm -hmm. for, for those that are looking in the rear view mirror, they're, they're stuck in, a, in, a, in an identity that was versus an identity that can be. And statistics have come out indicating that, you know, uh, a lot of boomers actually feel their best opportunities, their best part of life is still in front of them, which is really, really lovely. And, um, you know, and one thing that we're knowing is that, that we are learners. We are mm. desiring to continue to learn. We want to be engaged. We want to use our minds. In fact, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We, uh, uh, there are now, um, assisted living and uh, senior living facilities that are now being built on uh, campus, uh, on university grounds. So oh. in fact, in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, there is just opened up this, uh, this year, and it is on um, uh, Arizona State University grounds, and they have full access to all classes and to, to be able to go in and learn um, as a part of their living situation, which is really wonderful. So mm -hmm. <laughs> We're really, excuse me, desiring that productive mind. And so those that are approaching that, it's really important to, to, to get into the mindset of what are you listening to? Who's got the microphone in your head? Mm -hmm. And I, when I was with the career uh, consulting firm, we had the honor, well, we paid for it, but the privilege to sponsor the U.S. Olympics. And I had the opportunity to work with uh, three or four U.S. Olympians coming back from going for the gold, and they were 20 and 21 years of age, with a homework assignment of, so what do you want to do with your life? Mm. And I could understand why they were well-muscled in their sport. What I couldn't get my head around is why they weren't freaking out, having all that pressure with millions and millions of people you know, staring at them and, and rooting them on. And with no training, every one of them had the ability to control the voice. You know, control the microphone in the head between that inner critic, fear, doubt, scarcity, you're not going to, you're going to fail. And that voice of the inner champion that said, you're prepared, you go for it. And I thought, gosh, if these kids can adopt that mindset, so can our entrepreneurs and our leaders in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so part of what we do is really, you know, look at, you know, what's your operating manual going to be like for the third act of your life? And, and and what allows it to be optimal mm. so that we're not being we're not being caught off by fear because for a lot of our clients they're scared right mm. Um, mm. and um, I'm, I, I want to be the spokesperson to say the mindset matters and we can rewire it as long as you have a pin poke of an opening of possibility that something mm. can be grand we will craft that together with you which is exciting really exciting um, you mentioned that um you tell folks that, you know, you don't really care what, what it is, but they're leaders, right? Correct, um, right. This third act of life. Can you speak a bit more to that? Mm. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting when I look at my own story that for whatever reason, I didn't have a, I had big challenges as a kid. Um, 
Um, and when I was 12, uh, I was down at the creek in the Midwest with my friends and everyone sort of had a, a, a path of a career for them. And, and I had nothing. And I thought, my gosh, you were damaged goods. And yet I was, in, I was always, always noticing what caused some kids to succeed and thrive and others to, you know, to sort of uh, flatline. And I was a leader in uh, an Eagle Scout. I was an Eagle Scout, and I was in the church leadership, and I was student representative in leadership in, in high school. And so I, I got into leadership um, and um, had just always been fascinated at, at, at human potential, right? And, and, you know, some people spike early, and they hit it in their 20s and 30s and 40s, and then it starts to weigh down. And one of my greatest teachers is a man by the name of Richard Rohr, a, a Franciscan monk and teacher. He's just amazing. And one of his many books he wrote is called Falling Upward. And the whole premise of the mm -hmm. book is what you spoke about earlier in around the doing versus the being of humanity, right? And, and he makes the brilliant um, um, suggestion that the first 50 years of our life, right? We come in with nothing but a wet bottom and, <laughs> and we move, merge into a family and, and we grow and we, um, you know, experience that family system and we get educated. And then we hopefully, for many, have the opportunity for university and, and then career and, and then family. And, and so the premise of all that is that that first 50 years is a lot of ego, right? Around who are we? What are we doing? you know, how we, you know, making it all happen. And, and what he really offers as a gift is that that second half of life is really the opportunity with a healthy ego to really look at what truly matters, right? Almost from a spiritual perspective, what truly matters for you in this beautiful thing called life. And, and for years, I've been fortunate to work with really brilliant minds who have hit a place in life where they said, is this it? I mean, their resumes are full of accomplishment, but they're yearning for something more. And um, I just think we have to wake up and grab the rudder of our lives and, and really look in the mirror and ask that question. Am I on purpose? Am I, am I making the bold moves that I'm here to do? And for your audience, you know, it's a great, quiet question just to ask, right? Am I on purpose? Am I, am I passionately engaging with what I do? And how is my mindset as I think about the coming decades and what bold moves await me if we have the courage to actually ask that question? I love it. I love it. I often say folks should fearlessly pursue purpose. Um, that's really what life is about in any stage of life. So absolutely love all that you've been mentioning. You um, spoke about how folks should have an operating manual. Can you explain mm -hmm. a bit more about that? Yeah, that actually came out of my work with the Olympians, you know, because I, I just sort of, as I was looking, I thought, wow, they are well wired, right? And I, I imagine that we all came with um, operating manuals and some are owner manuals and they got lost, right? So at whatever stage and age you are to say, well, gosh, if I had to really think about what allows me to be an optimal operating state? How would you define that, right? Um, mm. That has a lot of inner moves around your mindset, 
You know, mm-hmm. are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist? Are you someone that sees life and the journey as, as one that's half full, the cup half full versus empty? And is your mindset one where you're um, connected to scarcity and fear and doubt, or is your mindset connected to hope and possibility? Mm-hmm. And if we can just really look and sort of reflect on those, you know, the orientation of where you are in those scales, it can begin to inform what really would be an optimal operating state for you. And um, I, I had 20 years I had ago, I had a little quote that was on my desk and through relocations, I lost it. I do remember it was anonymous. And the quote said, failure to meditate should be amongst man's greatest enemy. And I really never forgot that, right? Because back to the doingness versus the beingness of life. So, you know, I certainly had time in my life where I just was living so external. And what I've learned in the second half of life is to make it more internal, to have a daily practice, to reflect on the optimal operating state, to really Mm. ground myself, not by absorbing external noise and messaging, but rather to turn all the noise off and to have the courage just to listen to that inner voice. And, and that intuition is there for all of us. It's, it's there. But unfortunately, you know, I caution my clients, you know, please be mindful when you turn the television on. Please be mindful when you're absorbing the news of the day because it mm. can take us out of our optimal operating state. Mm. It's, I, this is like what I'm super passionate about and I find that as entrepreneurs investors we're a busy lot and we can be so busy doing 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 all the things we kind of lose sight of what we're doing the things for that's right and to make the space emotionally mentally physically to recenter um, whether it's through right. mindfulness, like you said, meditation or through exercise, right. I find that movement is really important. Absolutely. Um, mm, movement, because particularly as a business owner, there's a lot of there's an emotional burden that you're constantly carrying and you carry it in your body. Some carry you it do. in their jaws, some look right. at their jaws. Right. I, right. I used to do that a lot. Yeah. You grind your teeth. Right. Um, so exactly. Or shoulders, in your yeah. shoulders yeah. or in yeah. your back. And so that's yeah, right. And, that's right. And I, yeah. I think it's so important that we we cared for ourselves and just pull, you know, you have to slow down to speed up. Um you have to be very strategic about what you're doing, not just focusing on the things and the tactics okay. that you're doing. So I think this is this is genius and gold for anyone at any stage of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. It's interesting to... you say that. Yeah. Mm. Cause I, uh, my thesis in grad school, my degrees in counseling psychology with, and it had a specialization of holistic health. So we actually learned about somatics and how you held your body and kinesiology. And, you know, so, cause when I work with a client, you know, they're a whole system, right? As you said, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, whatnot. And I remember my professor in the third year of my graduate degree saying, this word holistic, you will not be able to put it on a business card for probably 20 or 30 years. But one day, <laughs> the world will be ready to understand that we are you know, complex and that we need 
to tend to all the things that, that we, you know, our bodies, our, our minds and, and whatnot to be in that optimal state. And I think the time now is here to yeah. do that. And no harder audience than entrepreneurs. I mean, talk yeah. about a work ethic. You know, I mean, it just, uh, I have such respect for entrepreneurs for their courage to get up every morning and, you know, without any, really without a lot of safety nets. You know, mm-hmm. when I was, I was, I was privileged to work for Marriott International for um, six or so, seven years. And I had been very successful in, in my 20s. And I remember when I was going to go entrepreneurial and I called my mother and she had two words for me, get therapy. Because for her, being the generation prior, it was the organization that will take care of you. It's mm-hmm. the organization that will give you that consistent paycheck, right? And um, I thought, wow, uh, but, but it was my calling, right? And um, truthfully, I've never looked back. You know? So, you know, one of the things we ask our, our clients to think about is when you get to the third act of life and when you're thinking about making a shift, whether you're an entrepreneur or a leader in an organization, we ask them to think about freedom, the word freedom. Mm-hmm. And there's two sides of that coin, freedom. Freedom from and freedom to. Hmm. And for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of leaders, we don't tend to think of freedom. We think about just keep going, head down, plow through, let's make it happen. And um, in invoking that pause, have the courage to start slowing down and knowing when to pause and and to develop that daily practice, even if it's for five or 10 minutes, and just, you know, tend to what the messages are internally can get you to that amazing optimal operating state that can serve you for a lifetime. That's so powerful. Um, Because ironically, sometimes we're working for financial freedom, but we kind of get lost in this emotional bondage to our businesses. Totally. And and the sad part of that is, is when that type A entrepreneur or leader wakes up in the hospital from the stroke or the heart attack. Yeah. You know, that's parallel. You know, I don't want that to be the wake up call. Yeah. You know, and yet we are not winning right now. We are at all time burnout. You've certainly heard of the 2021 phenomena in April and May of this year, where we had what's called the great resignation, 4 million people in April and 2 million people in May quit. (laughs) Now, and why I'm is still, that? Can you speak a bit more to that? Because we've got a global audience, so that's yeah, a U.S. Yeah. number, right? It's a U.S. number, yes. And oh. and a part of it has, in fact, to do with the younger generation, right? It's it's. I, I'm still. I mean, I was a former career consultant. I'm stunned. What happened to loyalty? What happened to a handshake that we're going to stay with us, right? But the but the generation that's that that that's you know being willing to be more free agents are are needing some things that they're not getting. They need yeah. connection. They need tribal connection. You know, we are no We are to be together with other humans. We're not. We're not to be isolated. And certainly, a pandemic has put a real boulder in the middle of that beautiful highway because people are feeling unplugged. Um, and 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 a lot of leaders or managers aren't being able to to figure out how do we rally? How do we how do we build a virtual community so our our new workers feel connected? Right. The other piece mm-hmm. is that they're wanting they're wanting to be very valued for what they're doing. They don't like paperwork. They don't like busyness. They want to be doing things that are purposeful. 
right? So mm -hmm. it's really forcing organizations um, to really look at it and say, wow, how are we going to create a compelling culture that allows the talent coming to us to to stay with us? And mm -hmm. we're in the middle of it right now. And I'm unfortunately, I think it's going to take years to figure that out. But we will. We will. Mm -hmm. Powerful. And you mentioned your roadmap um, that goes through the three P's, productivity, right. purpose. And what was the third one? Positivity. Positivity. Can you speak right. more about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so those three P's, I mean, you know, any anyone in the third act of life, obviously purpose is, it, you know, um, it's it's a powerful word, but unfortunately it's so reused, I think it gets watered down, right? Mm -hmm. But as you get to the third act of life, when all of a sudden we're recognizing we don't have 30 or 60 or, you know, some years, we, we got half of that. It really allows us to say, <clears throat> you know, what are what are what are the things that allow me to be feel very very purposeful? And again, we look at it holistically. So we don't, you know, I've always regarded leadership not at what you do at work, but how do you lead with your family? How do you lead with your community? How do you know? So to me, it's a it's a it has a three sixty feel to it, mm -hmm. and so does the word purpose around your your identities and and as we cultivate to find out the the gifts and the gems and the things that, that our clients really love to do, we begin to start to sculpt a, a purpose pathway um, mm -hmm. that's tied to their, the essence of who they are. We use a very profound tool out of uh, Africa uh, that's called the Integrative Enneagram. And it is the most stunning uh, questionnaire I've ever seen in my entire career. And it just trumps everything. I mean, I've run it for 500 leaders with only one person disagreeing on the first time results. Its accuracy is stunning. Mm. And it's just purely looking at motivation. So it allows um, clients to be able to evoke that pause just to really retune about what are the, you know, what are my core motivations, right, that tie to my strengths and the qualities that I can, I can lead with. And what are the challenges and the blind spots that I have to watch out for. So as we get into that road mapping process, the first phase of it is a, is, is a bit of a, a rediscovery. Right. Mm -hmm. And really looking at what we're going to pack for the journey and all the stuff we're not going to pack for the journey, mm -hmm. because a lot of our clients come with very robust skill sets. It's a very I mean, they just got a lot of can do's, but they're not necessarily passionate about all those skills. So we have to get in there with the Ginzu knives and really move those things. Yeah, I know you can do it, but we don't need to pack those for where we're headed so that we mm -hmm. really begin to seed um, this roadmap around what is um, really compelling for them to feel very purposeful. And then we look at productivity through two lenses. Certainly, as I said, through the leader lens of how, how can you be productive with, mm -hmm. with what, and, and, and where do you want to serve that? And what does that look like if we look at the next decade? So if I have a 60 or 65-year-old um, leader or entrepreneur, we're actually now going out 10 years and really embodying, wow, what do I want? What do I, you know, what's that going to look like for me? Mm -hmm. So that we're being, we're being mindful of how much time do you want to put into what we're going to do, you know, purposeful work. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of that is the lifestyle productivity. And that, of course, is where the holistic element comes in around the give back and the travel and the health and relationships and family and so we really define what are the key buckets where you want to spend your time. And it's really quite elegant because um, we can sort of watch how it starts to, you know, maybe it's going to have a lot of 
purposeful work for the first five years, but then we notice how it starts to shift, right, and move over to more of the the lifestyle card. And I'm sure you've heard, you know, that statement called the 60s are the go-go years, the 70s are the slow-go years, and the 80s are the no-go years. And I think we're going to challenge the heck out of that, the definitions of that, as I can see it stretching in the 90s if we take care of ourselves, right? And and to be purposeful, be active, be engaged. And now we know through the science of positive psychology that people actually live longer, four to five years, if they have that positive point of view. So that sec- that third word of positivity, really is talking about adding years to your life if you have the right mindset. And that's where that operating state comes in and the daily practices, the mindfulness. all. So those three Ps, pretty simple, but profound. And mm-hmm. um, that's really at the center of, of how we begin to help our help our clients be able to develop that compelling roadmap no simple but profound but isn't that the case with a lot of things in life in we, life we kind of overcomplicate things right um, that's right kind of that's right get back to the simple and you you made a statement earlier in this conversation that i love you said you want to help folks be passionate about monday morning yeah um yeah. and yeah before we started recording you came on this podcast like with so much energy and like so much positivity (laughs) and if you can help your clients achieve same I'm sure that they'll be thoroughly enriched for that right right Um, and it's not it's not Pollyanna I I hope you're hearing the distinction oh yeah I don't I don't kid ourselves around the complexities of our world but part of the reason I I focus on on you know top performing leaders and entrepreneurs is they have greater influence to actually be change agents in a very complicated world Mm-hmm. So that's why this topic matters for me, you know, uh, to think that, you know, right now, a 64 year old or 65 year old man today has a chance, 45 percent chance that he'll be alive at 85. Mm. And that's a wake up call for, for right. Uh, women are doing a bit better because 57 percent at 85. But, it, you know, the funny part of this is that so many of our clients, including me, still feel we're 35. Mm. Right. And the energy. And so that's new and different. You know, we're just uh, thank you, technology. Thank you, medical. Thank you, you know, health clubs. Thank you, you know, um, for the way we can eat that allows all of us to be in our our best state versus Mm. where it was, you know, 100 years ago. But, Mm. um, you know, life is short. Uh, Life is very short. You mentioned something about. Um, the younger generation and with the great resignation I think there's very much a the pandemic has just made a lot of us just feel like you know what you only live once and you've got to seize your moment now that's right that's right and particularly for the 20 and 30 year olds I mean they'll never I mean anyone earlier than 30 this is real for them my daughter went through over half her over half her college in a pandemic I mean her entire junior year was remote learning you know People will not forget that. And yet we will figure this out. I know we will and yeah. and move forward. Yeah. The well, mental, uh, I'm just going to just say one last piece on, yeah, you know, the mental, um, that tool I mentioned, the integrative Enneagram, um, it has a side component to it that just measures someone's stress and strain profile in the moment. And one of the strain profiles is psychological. And it comes in green, uh, yellow, red. And for many, many years, it was always green. And all of a sudden, 14 or 16 months ago, it was red. And in the caption, it said, you may want to consider mental health or a counselor. I'm like, what is this? Well, Mm -hmm. I had never, ever had anyone 
that had a red strain on psychological. And now 80% of my clients are red or yellow. So we have a mental health challenge right now that we do have to pay attention to, um, okay. the, you know, yeah. 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 So true. Um, it's been, it's been a very challenging season of this generation. I think, I hope, I hope that we, we've seen the worst of it and, um, we won't live through such trauma again in our agreed. generation. Yeah. Um, yeah, agreed. But yeah. The mental health effects are, are crazy. Well, it forces our hand to say, where are your priorities in life? Hmm. Is it work first, then family, then self-care? Or is it family, work, then self-care? Or is it self-care, family, work? And you can imagine when I used to ask that in audiences, it was work, family, self-care. And I'm hoping Hmm. that we're able now to flip that narrative because if we take care of ourselves, we will have the energy to be wonderful with our family and be able to come and be very impactful during our workday. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're, we're missing the mark when we come home with a red light on and on the phone right here during dinner and, the, you know, and your kids are growing up right in front of you. And, you know, we still have the trail winds of all of what we've done for today or what we're doing tomorrow. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that the pandemic allows us, um, certainly for the introverts, it's been a wonderful gift to be able to, to unplug, right? But regardless of how you get energized, um, I hope, I, I just trust that we'll learn from this to be our best versions of ourselves. Indeed, indeed. For us, ambiverts has been confusing. Yes, it's, yeah, back and it's forth. Been, right? I think initially I loved it. And then there was after a while I was like, no, this is, I, I hated yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, was, you know, the new, yeah, the, the, and I don't know what that, you know, back, you know, 30 years ago, there was no really omnivert. It was either one or the other. And now mm-hmm. everyone, everyone's in the middle. I'm not sure what's happening in our drinking water, but it, it is a bit confusing. <laughs> so. It does. Oh, well, Alan, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your your journey, your insights, your works. Really powerful, powerful. Thank you. Um, Thank in, you. Important work that you're doing. If anyone would like to get hold of you, how best can they reach you? Everything can be found through our website, which is questage.com, Q-U-E-S-T-A-G-E. It's a made-up word, quest, stage, and age, all built there, .com. And if they click on, we have two large uh, pathways, one around leadership, um, women leadership, women forum, executive leadership and coaching, and then the second track is high-impact transitions. And for those, uh, any of your listeners who are thinking about a transition into the third act, there's a fun little assessment called, Are You Ready? And they can complete that and get an immediate score just to sort of see how how it fits against the things we've been talking about. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank awesome. you. Love the energy and, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Awesome. Oh, that was so, so good. My word. I love when Alan said... This third act of life entails divorcing who we are from what we do. And the third act of life is the best act of life. And this is so important because quite often what typically happens is identity can be rooted in our activity. And for founders, there's a huge identity of significance, of status, 
of belonging, of parenting when it comes to the business. And I go into depth in my upcoming book, Lifetime to Legacy, on this, on why it's so hard for founders to let go of their businesses. Um, Quite often they don't want to retire. (laughs) It's an expectation from society that we retire because it's like a signpost at the back of their mind that that inevitable day of their transition is nearing. So it's really important that we able to, founders are able to get assistance to divorce this concept of who am I versus what I do, such that one can transition into another season or another activity that occupies their time, or even a season of rest. (laughs) Um, Because we're human beings, we're not human doings. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care and God bless you.